Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm your McMahon. In this week's episode, we will share Michigan offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis's extensive comments about his unit, analyze the latest Michigan basketball roster comings and goings, and discuss some recruiting news as well. All that and more on this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Guys, Welcome back, you? Andrew. Thanks so much. Thanks. It was. Uh, I thought you guys did a uh, a great job without me. Um, I did listen. I was out on my uh, deck assembling um, some, you know, patio furniture with instructions. Could not have been more wrong. None of the pieces uh, corresponded to the numbers that they were given in the instructions. So that. That was a good hour wasting my time. Good, good thing you had a lot of time to figure it out. Yes. Once I realized that that wasn't the case, then I just went by the pictures and kind of, I was able to do it actually and make good progress. But uh, the podcast helped get me through it. Um, and it was informative too, because I was, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I'm sure our listeners kind of are across the spectrum, but some probably don't necessarily read everything that's going up on the site um, and aren't plugged into Twitter and everything that's going on with Michigan news. And that was me this this past week. I kind of did truly unplug, uninstalled Twitter from my phone and, and didn't check Ooh. it didn't check it once. Um, did go to MLive.com, both the homepage and the Wolverines page, like once a day. But that was about it. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't getting everything as it was happening. So this was a nice uh, kind of recap of everything that was going on. I, I Again, you quickly realize that, uh, I don't know, I'm not I'm not essential to this whole thing. And. It was, it was a sad reality check for me. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be on furlough next week and I just, I can't see myself staying off Twitter like for a whole week. Like I just, I feel like I don't think I'll be able to do that, but I, I will uh, try and check out a little bit. Hopefully I'll be able to golf every day next week and the weather's nice, but um, yeah, I don't know if I'll complete, completely be able to unplug and not at least follow what's going on. Um, but we'll see. That was just me, but I don't know. It wasn't that big a deal. Like you got the major headlines, you know, right. became stories on our site. So that's when I read about it. Was it, was it, did it affect me that much that I didn't know? No gel Eastern had become a Wolverine until like four hours after he had. No, it was <laughs> fine. You, right. it, was, it was all good. Um, that was jarring to read though, because it wasn't like that was something that was on my radar at all when I left. And I was like, this seems like wrong. What is Ryan talking about? He just, <laughs> <laughs> did he, he's just like making it. guy's just making up stories. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, um, I guess so. Um, 
but yeah, man, I was, I was productive. I built a fire pit in my backyard. Okay. Wow. Out of spare bricks that were just underneath my deck. Uh, I played golf. Oh. I played nine holes. Watch you out for this guy. Wow. Did you whip out your two iron or two wood two or whatever? Wood. Yep. Yeah. Sure did. Two wood and four wood all day. Uh, for our listeners out there, a lot of the M live sports writers, uh, current and former play golf together. They know that I play golf and they never invite me. And I'm not bitter about this. I'm not angry about this, but, um, you know, I just go out there and when I do play, I've, you know, I put, I put low numbers out there and, uh, you know, I, I think that's why they, they don't want, they don't want you beating them. Yeah. That's <laughs> In this case, this low number was a 50. Uh, not Ooh. exactly. Yeah. yeah where, where did you play it? Local locally? Uh, it was like a half hour away. It was in like uh, it was in Livonia. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm near where I grew up. There you go. Yeah, it's weird when the you know with the the I got robbed on one putt because of the things in the hole. You know, little, little foam pad popping my ball out. I didn't like it one bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, you can still count those if you if it. Hits I know, the foam, I know. Can... My opponent, my opponent said it was. I had put it way too hard, and it would not have gone in if there uh, was. No, which is probably true. Uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, listen, if you want advice on how to how to crush a furlough, just I'm your guy. You know, getting Don't stuff, me. getting stuff done left and right. Read a book. All right, listen. I don't need to brag about my whole furlough. You guys got Josh <laughs> Gaddis uh, on the phone. Which I was, or sorry, on a, it was like a Zoom, Zoom call, right? Zoom Just like call. one of these. I was somewhat, uh, I wasn't surprised, but, you know, not gotten Jim Harbaugh, the head coach. Um, but you get one of his assistants. Uh, so, next but, best thing, but, right? But before we start, I just found it hilarious last week that it was, there was probably, I don't know, 20, 25 people on the call. And, yeah. I mean, you could see video of, of pretty much everyone. I think Aaron was the only one wearing a button-down shirt. Everyone else was in a T-shirt or a hoodie or some kind of scrub attire. And then there's all Aaron looking all fancy in his, during during the – Looking like he'd look if he was attending a press conference yeah, in real yeah. life. So good for him. Good for him. I guess yeah. I'm a professional, unlike you, Zook. <laughs> oh, Mr. Professional. Okay. <laughs> well, only only one of us has a professional looking uh, haircut right now. This guy, uh, this happened last week or did it happen to like Aaron? Is this uh, the first time you're seeing this as well on Zoom? Yeah, I, shaved, sure, I shaved uh, before <laughs> last week's pod, but I got the haircut uh, on Saturday. So that's that's new. Wow. It was, it was long. I'm still without one. It's been like eight weeks, nine weeks now. Nine weeks. Yeah, I'm not getting one until I can go to go to a legitimate barber. I'm not. Well, no, here's a dilemma. No family member of friends cutting my hair. The state of Ohio is open, so you can literally. Mm. I mean, I'm in I'm in Pittsfield Township, and you know, we're all in the Ann Arbor area. But you drive 35 across minutes the border for a haircut, and there's they're open now. The line's probably three hours long, but you can yeah. you can go and get it done. Yeah, well, interesting. Oh. Um, all right, yeah. Well, you got. Uh, he got Josh, Josh Gaddis. What did he have to say? Uh, yeah, he said a lot. I think he spoke for over 40 minutes. Uh, we, we hit on pretty much every uh, position group with the offense. Uh, a lot, considerable amount of time was spent, obviously, on the quarterbacks. Um, but he did hit on the, the offensive line, the running backs, and even the receivers. Um, he wouldn't talk about Tariq Black's departure, uh, he, 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 which I thought was interesting. Um, but I guess, Zuki, we want to go from the beginning, quarterbacks, and we'll move from there. 
you can kind of weigh in as, as I talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I think that was the biggest biggest aspect of it is that there's no real front runner, according to Gaddis, for the starting quarterback job uh, heading into heading into next year. Yeah, and it's really similar to what we've heard in the past from Jim Harbaugh. You know, Jim always starts whether it's the spring or the fall, whenever these competitions kind of begin. But he's always, you know, kind of cleared the deck and said there's no you know there's no favorites no no leaders and that that's basically what josh said uh, last week he he said that the depth chart last year doesn't matter uh skill sets this year don't matter whatever that means um so he's he, he's he's basically putting all three candidates when i say all three candidates i mean dylan mccaffrey joe milton and, and kate mcnamara the three returners on scholarship on the same pedestal uh, whether that's true or not i i, I find it hard to believe but that's how they're going to at least take this for, for, for now. And that was, I guess, the, the plan going into spring. Now, I, I asked What him, do you find hard to believe about? Would, would, yeah, do you think it's more of a two-man race? That the, yeah, like, yeah okay. I do. I or do that, think it's more of a two-man race. And now, to, to Jim, Jim Harbaugh's credit, he did say back in, I think, January, when we spoke to him at the Michigan High School Football Coaches Association, he, he called a three-man race then, too. Um, but, you know, Jim's done this in the past where he's, he's mentioned – you know, three guys, potentially three or four guys are in the competition. And realistically, you think it's down to one or two. Now, again, we're not we're not behind the scenes, so we're not seeing things. Maybe Cade McNamara has taken a huge giant leap to where he's they think he's, you know, in the same ballpark as, as McCaffrey and Milton. Um, but it, to me, and, and I think most independent observers, this right now is a two man race. It's been we've been talking about it as a two man race for a while now. Um, you know, it, it's going to come down to again, unless unless again, it's possible McNamara makes a huge jump here. Um, but given you know experience and and talent and what we've seen at least, um, it's it's it sounds like it's Milton and McCaffrey. G, um, G, Josh would not get into individual traits about each player, what they what he thought they did well or what they didn't didn't think he, they did well. He wouldn't touch those topics. Um, but he, he his whole point was to say that this is uh, this is a three man race. Everyone's on equal footing, and we need spring practice. We needed spring practice to kind of develop these guys. Now they didn't get it. That's the issue. Um, so then the question becomes: Who does that potentially help? Assuming there is going to be a season this fall, and they're going to go through a fall camp here. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. He, he wouldn't. He wouldn't say a leader. He wouldn't give anyone any any extra leverage here. So I, I, I found it interesting. I don't know about you, Zook, but it was. Yeah, I, I mean. I yeah, you and I talked about this afterwards too. After he said, "Yeah, the depth chart last year didn't matter." I'm like, "Well, I mean, last year you it it seemed like McCaffrey was the number two guy, so yeah, it kind of mattered last year a little bit that he probably had the leg up last year. There hasn't been any spring practice; they haven't been able to do much. So you would think he would probably maybe have the leg up going in into fall, followed by Milton, followed by Cade, who really didn't see the field at all last year, and was probably more of a, a scout team guy. So it, it's hard to buy into like, oh, yeah, nothing from last year mattered. Nothing in the past has mattered. It's all about what's happening right now. Well, there's not much happening right now. So, um, yeah, like you said, I also believe it, it's a two-man race um, unless Kate does something to um, blow the coaching staff out of the water or one of the other two guys get hurt or falter or something like that. So, yeah. I mean, and there, there's no, there's no real harm in right now, excluding someone from the, from the race. I mean, once you get into practices and things like that, there is, because if, if someone who's got no shot at the job is now taking reps away, then you're kind of just being a little, then, then you're hurting the team. But right now I see no reason to, to, to not include, you know, him, uh, you know, in, in the running as well, even if it's, even if 
in their hearts, they they don't really think that he's going to be the guy who wins the job. Uh, but I do look forward to, you know, you said he wouldn't get into the individual traits. I do look forward to when we can, you know, get back to, to talking to players whenever that is, um, to whenever you ask about one, them uh, grouping all the others in. Do you yeah. remember that with uh, with Patterson a couple of years ago? And it was like, oh, what, what is Shea like in practice? What, what kind of things can he do? Well, you know, all the quarterbacks are, are really progressing. <laughs> it was always, you know, they were clearly uh, schooled to talk that way. And uh, wouldn't be surprised if it's something similar again this year. Yeah, and, and as we were kind of hitting on earlier, the, I think the, sh- the the key here for the quarterback position going into the fall is, is a short window now for these guys to quote unquote prove themselves to, co- to coaches. Mm-hmm. I mean, going into the spring, we we're talking about we were we were openly weighing whether Joe Milton could could you know make that leap and show that his his, his accuracy had improved, his touch had improved, and that's what the spring is about. It's about getting all those quarterbacks reps and seeing what they're able to do with with the first team offense, with the second team offense, and kind of play them equally. Now, with, with, with spring gone and the, the the fall uncertain, if they do in fact play a season this year, that just it shortens the window for these guys. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna have a short amount of time to show, and that's it, gonna for, not force, but it's gonna pressure the coaching staff to make a decision sooner on p- potentially who they're who they're gonna take, so mm-hmm. who they're gonna use as, as a starter. Um, so it, it's gonna be um, that's that'll be fascinating to watch that timeline play out because Josh was asked, and I thought this was key. He was asked too last week. Of whether they were open to playing two quarterbacks again, and he basically poo-pooed it. It was a weird, muddled response, but you know, he, he basically said fans boo at the idea of a two-quarterback system. So it seems like Michigan learned something from last season when they were trying to use Dylan McCaffrey and Shea Patterson at the same time. Where and obviously it ended up in, in Dylan getting injured, and it just didn't work. But it, it's. I, I, it sounds like they're not going to go that way again this fall. So that's going to force them to pick one and, and ride one unless something significant happens. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, um, it, uh, it will be interesting to see, obviously that's the, that's the position group we're going to be thinking about talking about the most um, in these coming months. But I know we talked about a lot of other things. You guys got like 18 stories out of this, uh, this phone call. So um, uh, well, well, part of it's because we've had, we haven't had a ton of write about it. Oh, I'm not knocking it. It was, uh, yeah, no, yes, absolutely. So, um, I mean, did he kind of just go position group by position group or what, what was, yeah, the- I mean, he was asked about every position, the running backs. He, he loves the depth as I think, as, as we've written about Ed Nolsey, I mean, Michigan returns their, their top two rushers from last year. Uh, they got they've got Blake Corum coming in. They've got Chris Evans back, so they've got a lot of weapons on uh, at the running back position. The the problem, I guess you could say, the good problem Michigan has is is and Josh acknowledged this is the need or the the need to find like spots for these guys. I yeah. mean, if you've got two or three running backs that are playing well. I mean, they all can't get the football. It's like the quarterback position; only one guy can get the football at a time. So how do you how do you maximize each of their you know each of their their ceilings and Chris Evans, I think is, is fascinating on this group because a, he's the most experienced and he's, you know, in, in his, his versatility. And this is something Josh brought up, you know, his versatility lends himself to being more than just that, that guy that gets, that gets the handoff and, and runs up, runs it up the middle. I mean, he can get out in space, he can catch passes. He did that in his first three seasons at Michigan. And it kind of goes along with what Josh was, was part of at Penn state and what they were trying to do at, at Alabama. So, um, the key for Chris Evans and, and Josh again acknowledges too that Chris needs to get back into football shape and get back into football mold because by the time they start the season this fall again, assuming there's a season, it's going to be like 18 months since the last time Chris Evans has played organized football. So 
Um, he did mention the running backs. He likes he likes Blake Corbin's speed. I think Zoo can bring him. He wrote about it. We can talk about more about that. But you know, to, to have these guys healthy and back and 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 ready to go, and that was another thing he brought up. You know, he acknowledged that Zach Charbonnet was was banged up last year. Hassan Hoskins was injured to start the season. Uh, so I, I think they 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 realize they acknowledge that if they can get all these guys back healthy and 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 ready to go, they're going to be really good at running, the running back spot. Yeah, I mean, I just think another uh, interesting thing he talked about, and to me, when when Dennis was on the call talking about uh, a variety of topics, it was I just couldn't help but wonder what would have happened if Michigan had to go through, or if Gaddis took over, or if this pandemic happened last year when Gaddis first took over and he's mm-hmm. trying to install this new offense, how, how much this would have pushed things back, and would they had of installed gone through slowly with the install and kind of progressed throughout the year or just kind of keep that offense um status quo from that 2018 team and maybe wait a year to kind of go to the full speed and space type pro spread type uh type of offense um so yeah he, he talked a little bit about what they've missed throughout the, the spring practice and um a lot of it's how much they can do and in install at this point when they're not there's not on-field instruction happening right now. I mean, you can um, get, send out video clips to all these guys. You can tell them what they should be doing. But if you're not on the field out there um, saying this is how it should look while we're doing it, it it's it's got to be tough. Um, so it will, it will be interesting to see how much new material they were able to implement um, so far during during the springtime without being able to see the field. So uh, he, he said he likes to typically – uh, install a lot early and then pull back late or later on if need be. Um, so I don't know exactly how much new material they'll be able to cover without uh, seeing the field. Right. So I, I think this is a perfect time for a little Josh Gaddis kind of interlude to discuss what, what you guys are hitting on as far as will there be a season? Will it get pushed? You know, what, what's going on um, given that they're, you know, obviously not practicing right now. And I think it's worth noting that some schools, uh, since, you know, your last podcast, uh, have come out and made a plan for, you know, 2020, 2021 academic year. Um, you know, a, a team Michigan used to face regularly, Notre Dame, um, not on not on Michigan's schedule this year. But, um, you know, they have said they're one of those schools that have said they're going to start a little earlier than normal and they're which will allow them to push right through their normal October break. I think Notre Dame typically has a full week off Michigan. I think it's just two days for their little fall break. Um, but, you know, they're going to push right through. And then when Thanksgiving comes instead of, you know, many, many, uh, students going home and then returning to finish the semester, you know, in December, uh, you know, they'll go home for good because that'll be the end of the semester. Um, they will not have, uh, uh, they will not be coming back, you know, the following week for, for more classes. They'll just be done. You wonder nothing from Michigan on that front yet, unless I unless I miss that as far as, you know, their their plan. But you could see potentially doing something similar, how that affects, um, you know, football uh, remains to be seen. You know, Michigan was going to open at Washington and Aaron had a story about that, you know, with comments from the Washington AD, um, you know, about the potential, you know, how, how that game might be affected. Um and then just my other comment on this would be the fans in the stands. Cause we've always said, how can you play college football games without fans? Cause that means that students probably aren't together uh, on campus. Well, there could be fans, but maybe only students. If you've got students together on campus and that's your bubble, those are maybe the fans that come into the stadium as opposed to, you know, 
so many of the season ticket holders and, and just, you know, one-time visitors to the big house that come from, uh, in many places, many cases, hours away, or even, you know, multiple time zones, different States, uh, you know, to come to games. Um, it's all, it's all interesting and, and continuing to, to worth continuing worth monitoring. However, uh, you know, things are starting to move quicker. We keep saying it's too early to talk about it. We'll see how things are in the next weeks or months, but obviously some schools are already making those calls. So, yeah. yeah. Worth. Nothing yet. Not a lot of from Michigan. I know they still plan on having an in, in camp, some type of on-campus instruction this fall. Um, all signs point to them wanting to play or going yep. to try to play this fall. We'll, we'll see. Gas was asked. He had no answers. You know, he's, sure. he's basically saying that's above my pay grade. In reality, it's probably not. But right. I guess the point he was trying to make was his decision was decisions were above him. Uh, they the coaches don't really really know. Harbaugh doesn't seem to know. It doesn't come down to you know obviously the president, the conference commissioners, and 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 the athletic director. They're going to have to make a decision on, on an individual school basis. With that yeah, I, I just I I would I have a hard time believing that there's going to be any fans in in, in the stadiums this fall just because I just don't know how you could do it safely. I, not I, even I, students. Not even students. No. I mean, it's, I, I mentioned this last week. Students, I feel like that's the easiest. That's the group A where it could spread the easiest. I mean, they're out. But are, are they going to the bars? Are they on I mean, campus? Has campus opened? And they're there? Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. I just so see if them they're together in the dorms, if they're together in classes, if they're together socially, I mean, why? You, you could know. have this debate all day. I mean, you why, why wouldn't they yeah. be in, in the stands then? It's just my, my point. And within six feet of each other, and and I don't know. I just seem. I just feel like that's any sort of fans in the stands in the fall without a vaccine is just too easy for for the virus to spread, especially among um, college students who are probably the most asymptomatic group there is out there. So I mean, I I don't know. I, I don't see it happening, but again, it's it's still May, so who really knows? But I have a hard time believing that it can be done safely without a vaccine. All right. Well, we don't want to turn this into a, uh, you know, too much of a, I don't know, biology pod- podcast. Or whatever. <laughs> so, um, anyway, we'll, uh, let's get back to Gaddis's comments then. Um, he, he hit on, you know, you kind of talked about the quarterbacks and the running backs. I imagine he was just, they kind of went down the line with the offensive line and the receivers too, I guess. Yeah. What are some of the other uh, things you took away from your conversation? Yeah, the offensive line was obviously was brought up. He 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 said he thought that was the group that kind of needed the reps the most in the spring. I mean, they as we all know, they've got to replace four starters this year. They do get Jalen Mayfield back and right tackle, um, but the offensive line is one of the positions that that needs the practice. I mean, you you can't just stick guys up there and anticipate them knowing what they're doing, knowing how the offense is going to run. Uh, being able to read defense, especially with the youth and lack of experience from some of these guys, so it's. You know, he 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 needed. He said the reps needed to be had. They didn't get them. Uh, so now, what the one thing I thought was interesting was from the off the line discussion was he felt like this group is more perhaps more athletic than than the previous offensive lines here at Michigan, which should help and help help them when it comes to the run game. Uh, he thinks it can be very good in the run game, but pass protection is a big worry for him, especially with the lack of lack of reps here in the spring. So whether that plays into the quarterback situation will be remains to be seen. But I, if it does, I think that probably favors Dylan McCaffrey a little bit, just because McCaffrey has more mobility. Um, but without practice and without seeing these guys in, in work and in motion, it's just so tough to tough to gauge. And then, do you want to weigh in, Zook? No? I, okay. I think you, you covered, covered covered pretty good there. <laughs> I didn't know if you want to weigh in. He does not. Know, he does not. He, he mentioned. 
receivers, um, not a ton, uh, not a ton of news out of it. He did say that they they have seven scholarship uh, receivers um, in on, on the roster going into the fall um, without Tariq Black. He, he wouldn't talk about Tariq Black on, on the record, or uh, you know, when he was asked about him. Uh, so he he think he feels like they need more depth at receiver, but what they have, they obviously like. I mean, they get Nico Collins back. You mentioned Ronnie Bell um, as, as being a leader of the receiver group. They anticipate jumps from Cornelius Johnson. Um, so it's you know while they don't have the depth they want, I think Michigan acknowledges hurting some type of ravagery of injuries where you know a bunch of guys get get you know sidelined. I think they'll be okay receiver. But, but again, for him and it's something Zook hit on earlier, you know. Gaddis, who obviously is the offensive coordinator, but doubles as Michigan's receivers coach. You know, he's with, with the receivers especially. He's so obsessed with detail and technique and and getting route running down and, and teaching these guys the fundamentals of where you know obviously plays. I think he mentioned this line: plays win games, but um, you know, it's it's the details that win plays. So he 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 acknowledges that 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 practice needs to happen to help the receivers. It didn't happen. So again, that's another group where he he wants he he feels like they need to get better, and and they're not able to do it without without practice. Yeah, yeah. He, you mentioned the the death of a receiver. I mean, I was a little bit surprised that he was concerned about the death. I mean, yeah, maybe seven scholarship receivers isn't that many, but um, if you look at it, who they're returning, I think you're in pretty good shape there. I mean, uh, Giles Jackson. Uh, Mike Sanders still are expected to take jumps, like you said. Cornelius Johnson, um, with with his second year back, kind of joining joining the, the their top duo of Nico Collins and Ronnie Bell, and then you got two explosive true freshmen coming in with AJ Henning and Roman Wilson, and especially AJ Henning. I mean, I could see them carving out a role for him right away, just with what he brings with the speed and the way. His versatility. I mean, you could line him up in the backfield. You can use him on jet sweeps. Um, you can use him in the slot. I mean, he he, he could just he's a offensive threat that you can you ha- you need to get the ball to him. Um, if I, but again, like yeah, it's tough without spring practice. But I I don't think that death should be an issue unless they um, kind of have a bunch of injuries at that position, which I mean you can't really plan for. But I, at this point, I don't see death as a huge issue at receiver. I, I, it makes me wonder if he's thinking long term with that regard. You know, he mentioned the seven scholarship guys. Nico Collins will his his eligibility will will have ended after twenty twenty. There's probably an assumption that Ronnie Bell might try and declare for the NFL draft after twenty twenty. So then you then it becomes who do you have underneath them? Now there's a lot of guys, but you haven't seen a you know that that next jump yet from any of these guys, and that's where uh, obviously this season comes into play. But when developed and, and Josh said this when he was talking to us, development happens in the spring. So, and they, they, they didn't have it. Practices were canceled. So you wonder if there's just that, that concern that, that they're not getting that development time. With some of these guys where they can become the next Ronnie Bell or surprise folks and become that number three guy, they're going to have to find number three and number four. Um, I mean, there's several guys there. There's, there's talent guys. There's, there's options. Uh, it's just about, you know, getting it to actually happen. You know, in our intro, we, we did mention we'd get to some of the other, kind of specific news. So I don't want to not do that. Um, so we're talking about kind of the current roster, but uh, the most high profile uh, commit, you know, in the 2021 20, class for Michigan football uh, quarterback, JJ McCarthy. Uh, I don't know. He made, he made some news this week. Somebody tell me why. Yeah. He announced uh, yesterday that he is transferring from Nazareth Academy in Illinois uh, to IMG Academy in. Uh, in 
Florida, Florida. A kind of national powerhouse. Yeah, that's football that's factory. Turns football out, factory. yes, definitely a football football factory. Uh, and it sounds like he's doing this to be able to graduate early and enroll early at Michigan. Uh, it sounds like he he was uh, Nazareth Academy was making it hard on him to graduate early. So this uh, transferring to down to IMG will give him that opportunity and allow him to compete against better talent um, throughout. Or, throughout his senior year again he, he'll be joining another michigan 2021 commit greg crippen uh, at img and, and michigan's gone there before i mean shea patterson I, although he didn't come straight from img uh, he also is a former uh, img academy guy caesar ruiz came from there dj turner so michigan's definitely has some recruiting uh, success there in the past so and, uh, um, i can't say i'm surprised yeah, Joan Joan Howard's uh, sorry, Joan Howard's youngest son, uh, Jet, the basketball player, also announced uh, very recently that he'll he'll be going there now for what will be his junior year. So um, they're a power, and I imagine a lot of different sports, but we know football and, and certainly uh, boys basketball as well. Um, yeah, you get that college experience too, as far as your your. I mean, you're kind of you're living in a dorm. You're not living, you know, if you're not from that area, you're not living at home, and you're. Um, you know, yeah, taking classes more to like, like college, it's all, um, yeah, it's all a means to kind of prepare you for that, the next level. Um, so yeah, it, it will, it'll, it'll be interesting to see too, is, is that's also where miles, miles Rouser, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, um, a 2022 safety. He just decommitted, uh, from Michigan a couple of weeks ago. So we'll see maybe if JJ can kind of swing a back to Wolverine's way. Um, during his time there as well. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He's, yeah, he'll be around a lot of good talent, probably some some of which is, is uncommitted. And um, yeah, we'll see how that how that plays out. Um, yeah, on, on the basketball front, let's see. Since the last podcast, uh, Cole Bajima has a home now. It is, uh, it is Washington, which is uh, University of Washington. That's his home state. Uh, his sister graduated from there this year as, as a volleyball player. Um, so that was not a surprise that that's where he, he ended up. Um, and Michigan has brought in right now. They, they lost three guys to transfer and they've, they've brought in three, um, talked about Mike Smith, the grad transfer from Columbia, immediately eligible, uh, no gel Eastern from Purdue, um, announced via social media that he's, he's coming to Michigan. Um, he's a, he's a junior. He's played or he's played. He, you know, he just finished his junior season three years uh, at Purdue. He would not be immediately eligible by definition. He's not a graduate transfer, so he'd have to sit out unless the NCAA rule is changed, which is possible, or, you know, he's granted a waiver, which is also possible. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, you know, his, his, he's not talking, his, his mom's not talking right now, just, you know, told me just today, no, no comment uh, about anything related to her, her son's, you know, kind of commitment to Michigan, um, including just simply confirming whether that was his social media account and that he is a Michigan Wolverine. Uh, Michigan has not put out anything acknowledging Nogel Eastern, but, you know, it was a couple of weeks before they acknowledged Mike Smith too. Uh, there's a lot of paperwork that needs to be done. There's sometimes they like to bundle it with other news. Um, so you, you never really take that for what it's worth. Um, and then just before we started recording today, Sean D. Brown, uh, Wake Forest, junior guard uh so that's three veteran guards that michigan has brought in this offseason um via transfer he, he announced his commitment uh, to michigan from wake forest so uh 
yeah, he's, he, you know, he scored double digits for, for, you know, in the ACC last year, you know, big, strong uh, guard, um, you know, not the greatest three-point shooter, but, you know, I'll have a story up on him uh, tomorrow with, you know, more of a scouting report from, you know, some of his former coaches and whatnot. Um, but uh, yeah, again, another situation where he is not immediately granted eligibility, would have to apply for a waiver or again, get that NCAA rule change. All of these things are possible. Uh, Brown leaves a situation awake for us where his coach was fired. That doesn't, again, for people who don't know, that does not un- automatically grant you, you know, get you that waiver because your coach was fired. You see players whose coach was fired all the time transfer and still have to sit out a year. Um, Typically you need other reasons. He also left before his coach was fired. Not that that necessarily even matters, but he also announced that he was transferring uh, before Danny Manning and staff was even let go. So um, yeah, you can't even say that that was the reason uh, he left, but yeah, that's a, you know, basketball team is looking to fill spots for this year. And, and if, uh, both Eastern and Brown, um, you know, to, in fact, uh, you know, come to Michigan, uh, that would be, they'd be set with all their, their scholarships. Um, and then, you know, if they, if, if Eastern and Brown sit out this year and start next year, um, that uh, from Michigan's perspective, that's probably fine too. Cause they got a lot of holes to fill in that 2021, 2022 class, uh, as well. You don't want to necessarily bring in, you know, seven freshmen. So, um, yeah, that's all interesting. And I guess the last piece of news would be that Michigan and Kentucky are not going to play in London this December. They will play in the December of 2022. Uh, that will be the the meat of the Kentucky-Michigan sandwich, if you will, with the uh, first game being in, in Ann Arbor, not this coming season, but December 2021. And then they'll play the game in Lexington the year after the London game. So everything's kind of just getting pushed back a year and, and re reconfigured. But uh, yeah, that's the, that's the word in the basketball news, but uh, yeah. Busy. It's been, it's been oddly busy with the basketball front this often. Absolutely has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not complaining. <laughs> right. Anyway, guys. Yeah. Thanks for, for welcoming me back. It's good to be thanks. back. And uh, thanks for our listeners for listening to this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Thank you.